How are you doing? Some violent spring storms have come through South Carolina. In some places, this meant tornadoes and their destruction. In others, winds that shattered the dogwood blossoms and drenched the roots of the quickening plants for hours. And afterwards, the green of unfurling leaves intensifying almost by the hour. The semester is approaching the tumult of its end. How beautiful, the dream of the tidy ending to learning. How are things with your classes? Are some neat, some shaggy, some in chaos, and some moving past the gateposts in order? We're not at the end yet. I recall being a graduate student and learning teaching, and reading and marking endless essays and having conferences and filing paperwork and asking each other, will this end? Will it truly end? And it does, always. It will end, and everything will have been done, but not yet. Students are nearing their final stretch. Some are making hard choices. Are we able to be of use to them? Or have their choices left us with little choice? So much is going on as the semester ends, and perhaps, just perhaps, you have responsibilities in addition to your classes. What do your administrative tasks add to the tumult and storm of spring? Do you have other things in progress, coming up on deadlines? Will it ever end? This is the season of nearly there, nearly there. Welcome back to our ongoing exploration of the ecosystem of our teaching community at Midlands Technical College here in Columbia, South Carolina. I'm Claire Houle, your host. What do you teach? How do you teach it? How could we learn from each other? This is Instructional Ecology. Markey is beginning his second decade of teaching in our healthcare program. He joins the lengthening list of our guests who were community practitioners before becoming community teachers. Among other courses, Robert teaches a fundamental class called Medical Terminology, a leviathan of content that grounds students in the essential language of the medical profession. It's a lot, and Robert works hard to help his students succeed. In our conversation, he does something that's rarely visible these days. He talks about getting negative feedback and acting on it immediately and constructively. My conversation with him made me realize that many committed professors have the humility and flexibility to realize when things aren't going well and change direction. But Robert does more. He'll tell you what a student said and how he immediately perceived and accepted how he had handled things was not the way to continue. I really enjoyed his candor and willingness to talk about his own response when something goes wrong. But it's not all about mistakes. You'll also hear Robert map the connections between the MTC healthcare classroom and the web of healthcare throughout our state. This is a chance to hear about how he sees the college interacting with the health of our state in general and during the pandemic right now. And you can hear his joy and satisfaction that he's a part of this. Let's spend some time with healthcare. My name is Robert Markey, um, and I, I teach in the AHS, that's Allied Health Sciences Department. That's under the, what we call the, it used to be the College of Health Professions, now we call that the School of Healthcare at uh, Midlands Tech. 
Uh, I've been teaching for, depending on how you like to look at it, you know, 10 to 13 years, I think. I'm still kind of foggy on the time frame myself. I would say it's been about almost exactly 10 years where I've really been doing this straight, you know, straight through, almost a full-time kind of position, um, but a few years before that kind of on and off. So depending on how you want to look at it, at least a decade. Um, and I, I've, I've only taught at Midlands Tech, so all those years have been at Midlands Tech. Primarily, I teach AHS 102, which is medical terminology, and then probably the class I teach the second most of would be AHS 131, which is called Computers and Healthcare. Um, I also, from time to time, teach something called AHS 180, which is essentially Intro to Health Careers. And I think the unique thing about the School of Healthcare um, in the AHS department, since we feed into that, is we're actually, instead of um, trying to set people up to go to four-year colleges, we're actually putting people directly into the workforce. Um, and, and so I, th I think that's that's one area I think that's really unique about um, the School of Healthcare, where, where it can really help. And I was thinking, I mean, there's so many places that a person could begin when we think about teaching. Uh, I'd like to think about, to step into this, thinking about the moment when you decided you were a healthcare practitioner and you ended up, you, you felt that perhaps you were not being as effective as you wished. And when you were in the classroom, that was where you had that feeling. I'd love for you to talk about that moment of recognition and what you moved from and what you moved to. Um, I, I, I do remember, I mean, if, if I start on the, the what kind of, some things that kind of made me want to get out of the clinical side of things. I, I do remember um, you know, uh, when I first graduated with my undergrad degree in nutrition from Winthrop, uh, I, I was working um, as kind of like a dietary aide, dietary tech um, at the at the VA hospital here in Columbia. And, and I remember, you know, having a, a consult, like an evaluation um, with a patient. Um, I think, it, I can't remember if it was like uh, diabetes or whatever that, that, that patient was there for, um, you know, and, and we, we, you know, kind of, I, I kind of instructed him on some, you know, some things to look at how to kind of maybe change some things behaviorally, but even more especially, you know, um, in terms of dietary needs. Um, and, and then I, I remember, uh, you know, it, it was, it was really good, good evaluation, really good discussion with the patient. Um, he seemed receptive, uh, his family seemed receptive. And then I, I remember not long after that, uh, it was our lunch break. And I was as I was leaving the hospital, I saw he he and his family going into the Burger King, and I was just like, "That we just what did we just discuss? That just you know that didn't that didn't help." And then that was just one of many things. Um, you know, so you just I just didn't feel like I was helping people the way I wanted to help people. It was it was fairly immediate actually after you know after only a semester or two of teaching that I I realized that it truly was getting through to people. You 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 saw because I I have the luxury of teaching multiple courses. So I see students, um, you know, in, in multiple semesters, and, and you really see when you can see that recall and that carryover, um, that they truly did learn something. They truly did bring something from from what you taught them into another course. Um, you know, when when a when a student flags you down on campus, they see you in the hallway, and, and they say, "Hey, you know, you know what I learned in medical terminology, or what I learned in, the, in intro to health careers, that really helped me in my biology class, that really helped me in my chemistry class, you know, whatever." Um, those are the things that, that kind of keep you going, um, and, and those are the things that really made me realize, "Hey, maybe this is what I should do. Maybe education is actually where 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 I should be." And, and maybe, and, and that's kind of why I just eventually phased out of the whole clinical side of, of working in healthcare. And somehow, before I knew it, that, that I was pretty much just teaching full time. One thing that, uh, I mean, as you say, you know, over time, you have to focus on what's where you do feel effective. And I'm curious about um, 
Who, so who are you teaching right now? I feel like our student population is about the same that it's always been since I've been teaching a little over a decade. Um, now, the, the interesting thing, though, about Malone's Tech, even though I don't think the population, our, our student population has changed, it, it is so eclectic. And that's, I think that's one thing I really, really love. So I'd like to hear, um, you know, with the rise of um, uh, uh, electronic textbooks, um, that's uh, many people, you know, have been very excited about that. They feel that this, you know, has various advantages. You disagree. I'd like to hear your experience with them, how you've tried them, and then what barriers you feel, what, what, what are your issues with electronic resources and what you'd like to see instead? So technically speaking, I have, I have no issue whatsoever with, with eBooks. I have, my issue is with the use of eBooks. Um, that's the problem. And, and this, this certainly isn't pandemic specific. I think the pandemic made it more prevalent. Um, but you know, you know, when the, with the advent of, um, and, and I, I guess, again, my experience is pretty much in the, the healthcare, health career, realm of outside of things. Um, but you know, in, in the AHS department, the School of Healthcare, we mostly use Cengage and Pearson for the most part. We have this subscription service now where, you know, if a student is taking more than one AHS class in a semester, which most of them are, that one price will buy all your access codes for all your courses that semester, or you can do a year, you can do two years, whatever, and then all your eBooks. And again, that's fantastic. That's great. It's actually, it's actually something, somebody trying to save students money. Um, and the other beautiful thing of that is because I always tell my students in almost every class that I teach is I, 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 guarantee you, you will do better if you have a hard copy of the textbook. Um, now, if you if you choose to do the subscription service, no problem, but at least in Cengage's subscription service is you, know, you can actually rent the hard copy for $8, um, you know, for the semester. And, and, and again, don't ask me why students will choose not to do that. I don't know if it's way too much effort, but... Um, so again, I don't have a problem with with um, you know students using the ebook, but they just choose not to use it. That's that's if I'm being honest, that's the thing. So that's what's happened over the last four or five years. If I said right now, you looking on the run around the room in my my on campus sections, um, I'd love to say twenty five percent of my students have the hard copies, and that's probably a liberal. Uh, I mean, a, a very liberal uh, statistic. It's probably closer to the fifteen or twenty percent. I'd say probably eighty five to ninety percent of the students that are just relying on e textbooks aren't using them, and so. That basically what you're basically what we're saying then is you know we have a, a very large percentage of our students that aren't using are trying to get through this difficult course regardless of what course it is without a textbook and you can't do that we all know that you know you, you know so and that and that's the problem I mean um, I, I don't know if I have any necessarily uh, actually have any research or statistics to back this up but when I do a straw poll or just observe the students in my classrooms that have the hard copy of the textbooks those are always the students that have the better grades um, Sorry, I know that was really long. I'm sorry. I'll get off my soapbox now. My apologies. <laughs> this is literally the podcast where you are asked to give your opinions. So do not <laughs> apologize. As long as you're saying what you think in the way you want to say it, I am I'm here for it. Um, so I think that one of the great um, challenges in many disciplines is how do you get them to do the reading? Yeah. How do you get them to, is it the textbook, is it an article, is whatever resource it is? I think when it comes to actually reading something, I think we're much more likely to do it if we can pick it up and, and touch it, you know? I think, and, and that's why I mentioned earlier how sometimes I really like, I, I almost don't want to encourage um, people to use technology sometimes because, you know, once you open up your laptop, once you pick up your phone, once you pick up your, your tablet, uh, even with the best of intentions, the next thing you know, you're on Wikipedia, you're on Netflix, you're on Amazon, 
and you totally forgot that you were going to read your ebook. I mean, so I, I, I you know, I, I wish I had a better answer for you. How do you really get them to do the reading? Have you tried any activities in class to encourage them uh, to, to engage with a hard copy or how to read an OER more effectively? Or is this something that you uh, assign and then find out from their work whether or not they're doing it or what i give them are, are things like study guides that, that kind of you know and, and the study guides kind of mention exactly what you need it was refreshing in the online faculty learning community to uh, be around you know instructors from other disciplines and um because I, I think one unique thing i don't know if it's good or bad or, or both really of of you know, from the healthcare the school of healthcare and, and specifically a lot of the courses i teach is you know i, I know technically the the textbook is not the course um, but there's really not a lot of gray area in in a lot of healthcare courses either. You know, either you know it or you don't know it. You, you know, there's not, you know, this there's no, you know, there, there's there's really not a lot of philosophy to it. There's not a lot of, um, you, you know, um, interpretation. It's interesting. Uh, one of the things that I'm interested in you talking about is um, is who we are to our students because you're teaching something that's very immutable. Like you said, it's not much room for interpretation. These are simply things that they have to know and understand and be able to manipulate. Uh, there's This is not the places you say for philosophy. However, um, you have, you know, you, you've thought very carefully and you've noticed um, some really interesting reactions uh, in students to you in the classroom, as we all notice when, a, you know, an instructor steps in front of students, they want to they they want to know who you are and what you want so that they can pass and also um they're going to learn from you personally it's you teaching the course and not another person um and so i'm interested in i know that you've thought about this um rather carefully uh which is how do we bring our own personalities into the classroom we all make choices at every turn about what we want to say and do and what have you um and i'm You've done some really neat thinking about what parts of yourself you're going to share and what you're not going to. So I'd like to know about the rewards of being yourself um, and also the risks. It, it allows for a connection. Um, it, it kind of like that whole thing where I mentioned, you know, calling students out by their name. I think that that allows for some familiarity, that allows for some connection. Um, I, I, you know, I personally like to have a fairly informal, fairly casual, not very strict, um, very super formal environment, but that's just my, my sense of things. Um, but there is a fine line there. Um, but I think what that can do that, that sense of, you know, connection, um, that, that familiarity that it, it kind of, it, it helps with that sense of community. It, it decreases stress levels, but it also increases that level of commitment, um, as well. Um, you know, one thing I've always, I've always surprised, I, I hear this a lot from students, um, or especially have in the past where, you know, I've had students tell me, he's like, yeah, you, you really, you really talk to us. And I, you know, that, that always kind of confuses me. Like, what is that? But, but I guess that it's, you know, I, I try not to have that void between me as the instructor and them as a student. So I, you know, I, I remember, you know, being where they were sitting where they were, you know, in college or high school where you kind of felt like the, the, you know, the, the, um, the instructor was this otherworldly being basically or something, you know, they're, they're, they weren't, you know, on the same level. And, um, <clears throat> you know, so that helps. And, and I think sometimes, you know, um, I don't know if vulnerable is the right word, but at, at the very least, you know, if you, if, if you don't make yourself vulnerable, at the very least, sometimes you have to make yourself human to them. You know, they need to be able to see that. Uh, and, and, I, and I think that really helps. It breaks down the barriers. It, it increases the lines that opens the lines of communication. Um, but, I, but, uh, but, but again, it is, it is a fine line. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes, 
you know, it can go the wrong way and things get too casual, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and then you almost lose the class because of that. Um, you know, you also run the risk of, you know, you always run the risk when you put yourself out there, your personality of, um, you know, hurting somebody's feelings, offending somebody, creating misunderstandings. Um, <clears throat> things like that. So it is a fine line. And, um, you know, some, some, there's those some semesters where you really find it and sometimes you can't find it. Um, but I, I do try to break down those barriers when I can, I think. This is something I think that um, all instructors encounter, but we don't necessarily have a lot of conversations about it. So I'm really interested in, in, in your ability to articulate that because I know that there, uh, I mean, all of us, you know, many of us try to use humor in the classroom, and humor can actually be a lot more complex than we think it is. I think especially um, nowadays, and yeah. I know, and I know that you used to tell a joke um, about prescription drug abuse in one of your classes, and yeah. it got a laugh until it didn't. Yeah. And I'd love to hear that story about what were you doing, what changed it, and how you've carried on. Um, what I've also found is that, it, again, if you can just, you know, talk about your life for a moment, even if it has nothing to do with the course, um, you know, sometimes what that does is it loosens everybody up. Um, and it's almost like a trick. I hate to say it like that. Sometimes it almost works as a trick where it, it's just a tension breaker. It lightens the mood in the classroom. Um, and then the next thing you know, you know, before they know it, boom, you can you can throw some some learning in there. So going into what you're asking about the the you know, what turns out really is probably just a, just a poor choice of of, of humor, which was <clears throat> you know we I, I want to say it was when we would we would cover the the muscular system, um, and we would just cover the main categories of medications we would use in the muscular system. Um, one of them would be muscle skeletal muscle skeletal muscle relaxants, and I used to make the the joke that you know hey if you were gonna if you I, I don't want to condone. Um, you know, drug abuse. But if you're gonna if you're gonna misuse or abuse a drug, that's the one to use. Those are great. Because um, I just you know going back on my own experiences, like when I, I threw you know when I, I had some back spasms, you know I had some um, you know some uh, muscle relaxants that <clears throat> that really you know kind of knocked me out, um, but had an interesting feeling. And um, and again, it really I, you know, without even thinking about it, I didn't even intend it to be that way. I, it was really again just kind of a tension breaker to lighten the mood to get a quick laugh. And yeah, until it, it was it was just a it was maybe a, a year or so ago um, in, a, in a virtual class that a student even mentioned that actually mentioned that she's you know she in you know she she said you know in light of you know, how this is really kind of turning into an epidemic the misuse of prescription drugs in this country I, I think that's really not a kind of thing we should joke about um, and 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 I really you know it, it really it, it, and again it's it's just sometimes you just don't think about those things. Um, yeah, and, um, and, and even just, God, just the other day they, they, they were talking about it, especially with the pandemic going on, it really is a big deal. And, and I remember it's specific. She, she even, she, she stuck around. She was like one of the last people left on the zoom, uh, on zoom when that class session was over with. And she even apologized to me. She's like, I'm sorry um, for calling you out like that. It's like, I said, no, no, I'm glad you called me out. Um, I, I just, I said, it wasn't even meant to be offensive. Um, that was never the intent. Um, and God, now that you say that to me, I, I realize what a poor choice of jokes that is. Um, and, you know, no one's perfect. I'm certainly not. But you always run that risk. You know, you really, really do. You always run that risk, um, you know, even when it's not intended to be that way. Um, and, and especially these days, it seems like people are, you know, really touchy, um, you know, and, and, and rightfully so a lot of times. But it, it's it's almost it, it's, it's very difficult to not offend somebody at this point in time. So that that's why I sometimes find myself. I really feel like this semester, especially, I've really um, 
I feel like I'm, I find myself withdrawing and, and not putting myself out there as much as I used to. And I, and I hate that. Um, I, I just need to work on finding that line. You know, when when is it appropriate? When is it not appropriate? I think that the kind of self-reflection, again, is, is not necessarily an aspect that we often talk about in our teaching. We'll often talk about does an activity work? Um, does a, you know, is the syllabus doing what it's supposed to do? But bringing our own personalities and styles of teaching into self-reflection is, is, is sort of an undiscovered country in terms of conversation. What do you think makes it so hard to, to talk about? I mean, I, I think especially as an instructor, as a teacher anywhere, um, you know, I, 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 at the very least, I mean, it, it's you're afraid of your job, you know, um, you're afraid of losing your job I and mean, you don't want to offend anybody. So I, I really do think, and especially in, in light of the kind of, you know, times we're living in right now, you know, no one wants to lose your job ever, but you certainly don't want to lose your job during, you know, um, a global health, health crisis. So I, I think that's part of it. Um, and, and also, I think, you know, a lot of us don't want to admit to those kinds of mistakes, especially. I mean, it, it's a lot easier to admit to, I made this teaching mistake. You know, I, maybe I should have done this, you know, in terms of how I taught something. But when you make a comment like that. One of the things that uh, Midlands Tech teaches such an incredibly broad array of topics. Um, and what's interesting is there are many different places where we teach things that are hard for students. And you can say that in a lot of different ways. And, but one of the things that you teach uh, in healthcare is you teach about a lot of things that they may have had very negative experiences with, like cancer, um, which, you know, we're stepping away from a moral position here or a humor position, simply the uh, suffering that they may have endured or they may have witnessed in their families. Um, and there are so many other healthcare things that may be deeply upsetting to them because of their own experience and also because of their uh, their newness to the subject, right? You know, getting into medical care is a whole nother level, right, of experiencing that. So I'm interested. I'd like for you to talk a little bit about teaching about cancer. Why is it interesting to teach? And then why is it challenging for some of your students to engage with? There's that preface that, that that uh, disclaimer I oftentimes give, especially with the, when we discuss cancer, because you know you, you would really be hard pressed to find anyone that, if not directly, at least indirectly, has had a lot of experience with that. You know, something you know you learn you know, really early on if you're ever around that is you know you know people don't get cancer, families get cancer, um, and that's kind of the way that it works. And and um, and so I try to explain to them that you know I'm even though there are some fascinating things about it, you know, for in, in fact you know because. <clears throat> that, that's really one of the things that cancer does. You know, the reason why cancer is so effective when it gets into our bodies is because it literally uses our own re resources. It creates its own blood supply in our body. It takes our resources and, and use it. And it's horribly, horribly evil. But it's also, you know, if you take a step back at it and look at it scientifically and medically, it's fascinating. Um, and also just the way that we treat it, you know, you, um, you know, what I try to talk to students about is, you know, you know, the, the types of things we use to treat like chemotherapy, radiation therapy, you know, these aren't smart bombs, you know, they don't just, they, they don't go straight after cancer, they, you know, you're, you're essentially poisoning the body. Um, and so that's why people feel awful after they go through a lot of these treatments is because yes, it's, it's treating the cancer, but it's also, you know, it's killing off the cancer, but it's also, you know, killing off some, you know, good resources in your body as well. Um, you know, so and you know so that that's why I try to press them that with that given that disclaimer is if, if I talk about cancer or any of these horrible things with some sort of wonder and amazement and intrigue and interest it's because you know it, it is um, 
and then it, it but it's also helpful to kind of show them um, you know, when, when it's affected you, or like I mentioned earlier, you know, ask people to share their own experiences. And that sometimes helps alleviate that, uh, you know, you know, that, 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 um, you know, that kind of upsetting, you know, frightening type of, you know, feeling about these things, or like you said, the newness of it. Um, and, and the other thing that you, you sometimes have to remind them is, okay, guys, it, it, maybe this is uncomfortable. You know, maybe this is upsetting. But if you're here, that's because you want to go into healthcare, and if you want to go to healthcare, I mean, you you can't possibly think that this you're not going to encounter these things in your patients or in your setting. So, um, you know, it, so it's one of those things we need to just kind of learn to <clears throat> learn to deal with, whether we like it or not, whether it's upsetting or uncomfortable or not. It's going to if if this if you truly are, um, you know, interested in making health uh, healthcare part of your you know, your life, your career, then it's just going, it's going to be, it comes with the territory, you know. I'd love you to describe to our listeners, what is the disclaimer that you do when you begin your cancer unit? And what made you add that to, because that's a real, that's a newer addition to yeah, your course. Uh, um, so, yeah, so years and years ago, I mean, long, I mean God, probably six, seven, eight years ago at this point, I, I did have a student one time after our um, our immune system, um, you know, uh, 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 the, the immune system is when, when we usually cover most of the things about cancer. You know, she emailed me and she just said that she she was she she really didn't feel easy. She was kind of upset and um, didn't like how interested and, and how how so much wonder and amazement I talked about um, uh, the, the what I, when I when I mentioned cancer because you know she was uh, she was going through at that moment in time. I think it's one of her parents, her mom or dad. Um, was was dealing with cancer and um, you know one I emailed her right back um, this really long kind of heartfelt email and I also talked to her in person afterwards as well and, and after I sent her this email you know she felt a lot better but I, I explained to her that you know again it, it's it, it's it's me looking at taking a step back and looking at it scientifically and medically um, and I and once I explained to her as well that one you know that you know of you know three of my four grandparents you know passed away from cancer um, you know my mother had um, you know, had brushes with both breast and skin cancer. My father has suffered with, with skin cancer and has prostate cancer. Um, at the time, I hadn't had my own brush with cancer at that point in time. Um, you know, I, I've, I've had pets, you know, um, and, and friend, you know, I've, I've had pets pass away from cancer. I had friends that have dealt with cancer and pass away from cancer. Um, so once she realized that, I, I, I think she felt a little bit better. And, and that was before, and, and that was, again, like I said, this is probably six, seven, maybe even eight years ago. Um, since then, I've done that disclaimer where I was, where I, I you know, kind of go into what I really just, just said to you and what I'd said to her was, you know, before we go into this and talk about cancer, guys, I understand that, that many of us either currently or in the past have, have had brushes with this, have had some sort of contact with this, if not directly or indirectly. Um, and then again, I, I mentioned all those, uh, you know, personal encounters I've had with it, um, that, that, you know, if, if, if I'm, if I, hopefully I'm not here to try to upset you or offend you or make you uncomfortable, understand that, you know, i you know, I also hate this disease, but again, you know, we're looking at it as healthcare providers or healthcare, you know, um, students, you know, um, becoming educated, and, and we need to look at it from that, you know, kind of you know scientific medical standpoint where it, it is, it's, it can be fascinating. You know, it's it's horrible, but it's also fascinating. There's amazing things, um, and and that's and that's that's really what I do. And, and I haven't really seemed to, I haven't really uh, uh, at least gotten any feedback since then where people are really offended by it. Um, so, so again, you know, to kind of like just that, that young lady recently that, that called me out on that bad joke. I'm, I'm glad that that young lady emailed me and, and talked to me all those years ago. Cause again, I just, I never 
thought of it that way that I was offending somebody because um, again it certainly wasn't the intent and and I think now that I discuss it that way it doesn't seem to bother people or at least no one has mentioned anything really since then. When you move into teaching healthcare, as I said a minute ago, you teach a lot. I mean, to teach about the frailty of the human body can be really alarming, especially for people that are new to the field and haven't yet developed yeah. that practice, which I know is, is one that's really codified within your profession, right? You know, yeah. I mean, to, to be able to handle the pain of others and then eventually one's own pain. So I'm wondering, you mentioned cancer. What are some topics you teach that are challenging for them? And then how do you manage their emotion as new to this discipline? Yeah, um, I, and actually, and this is one of those ones I, I wish I, I wish I had um, known more ahead of time. I, I had a, a student. She's a she's a, a great young lady. She's a good student. She's uh, she's just still trying to figure out how, how to put these things together, how to be a student. When we when we cover the heart, you know, that one, that's another one that really um, usually strikes uh, a nerve with some students sometimes. Um, but yeah, I really, I could definitely feel, t- tell she didn't seem right that day in class. And I, and I also remember when we took the test over that unit, um, you know, she was, I mean, she took, she had, she must've taken that test in less than, you know, 15 minutes, you know, it's a 70 question test. And I, and I even told, and, 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 and before, even before that she had, you know, reached out to me just, you know, about some better ways to study and approach the course. And I remember emailing her, um, you know, not long after that, that chapter and after that test specifically, I just asked her, is there something wrong? What, you know, uh, because I, I just, I didn't, you know, I'm really worried that, you know, that you, you didn't seem to spend enough time on that chapter and you definitely didn't spend enough time on that test. And, you know, she opened up to me and just said that I apologize. Um, you know, I have some, some, uh, there's a history of some heart issues in my family. I, I currently have some people, some people in my family, you know, dealing with some heart issues and that just really, Kind of, um, you know, you know, really made me, you know, uh, it, it kind of, it, it kind of brought me down. It, it, you know, it kind of depressed her a little bit while we were talking about. It. And I wish I had known that in the in the moment. Um, so, you know, that, that so that was sometimes an issue as well. But yeah, those are the areas. You know, if if other than cancer, the heart issues, areas, um, anything with the heart, sometimes diabetes as well, and and pregnancy especially. That's the one that usually gets people. Um, you know, uh, probably strikes a nerve more than anything. So. And this is a very subjective instructor by instructor question, though. How do you see? I, I see you responding and having regret that student that you couldn't know, you know, what things were going on with students, you know, because we 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 can't. What do you? What is your responsibility to your students around these issues? How do you sense that? You can't tell somebody to hey get over it. Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't feel bad about this. Don't let this bother you. I think it's always comforting if people can understand that they're not the only one going through those things. And and so if like I said, if I can relate to them that I've dealt with this, or or like I said, if we can open those lines, those floodgates of communication within class, and hey, they're dealing with this too, and they're dealing this with this too. These students that now you know their names, they're your classmates, you know their faces. You know, I, th- I think that helps a little bit. At least, you know, that's a sense, some sense of comfort. Um, and again, in, in, you know, like I said, not trying to say, hey, deal with it. You just got to deal with it. Get over it. I don't mean it that way. But again, at the very, at, you know, at the end of the day, you have to at least understand that if you're here, you want to go into healthcare, And these are just the kind of things you're going to have to deal with. I mean, if if if, if us covering in class um, it causes that much of a reaction to you, I mean, how are you going to be an effective healthcare provider? If, you know, you can't even, you know, handle seeing and hearing these things when you're working in the clinic, when you're working in a clinical setting. It's trying to find that level where you can maybe at least, you know, 
if it doesn't make you feel better, at least it makes it more comforting to know that other people have dealt with this and are dealing with this. And, um, you know, this too shall pass, hopefully, you know. So I see you dealing not only with what's in front of you, which is the student. How are we going to teach? How are we going to help? But uh, you're also saying, well, who are the healthcare workers we're sending out? Um, I'd love for you to talk about who you're preparing, the kind of healthcare workers that you want to send out into the community. One thing I like about being able to see them when I see them is, you know, I, I want them to want to learn. Um, you know, I, I still remember in grad school, um, you know, everybody, we, you know, we'd come, you know, right before we graduated, um, you know, we're coming back from our last clinical rotations. And, um, you know, I, I remember some of our really good instructors, some of the things that they mentioned was, you know, don't, don't, you know, because you, you got that sense from some of the, you know, some of our, um, you know, classmates that, you know, now that we're towards the end of our, our years here and, and we've, we've done all these clinical rotations, don't for one second think you know everything you need to know. You're never going to, you know, you're never going to get to that point, you know. Um, so, so I want them to want to learn and I want them to always want to learn. You know, don't always think that, you know, we've, you know, we're, we're done with our learning. Um, the other thing is, I, I, yeah, I want them to strive to be the kind of person that wants to help others. You know, the idea of, um, and, and, you know, and maybe this sounds awful, but, you know, um, and I don't, right or wrong, um, you're not only educators, but, but people that work in healthcare, there's a level of selflessness that kind of comes with that territory. And, and right or wrong, that's, that's just the kind of thing most healthcare providers, right or wrong, usually put others before themselves. Um, and, uh, but you know, that, uh, that aside, you know, but things like morals and ethics, um, and, and that selflessness, those things should come automatically. And if they don't, they need to start coming automatically. When you first started in uh, teaching in the AHS department, they would always say, you know, um, you know, be, you know, be, be a very helpful and accommodating and fair and nice and understanding instructor, but also don't be too easy on them. Basically, you want somebody to put somebody out there that you would have no problem treating your, your friends and family members. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a great example. This actually happened just uh, right, right before the pandemic started, in fact, Claire. Um, you know, I, I actually, I got a text from my parents. Uh, I just remember that day my father was actually going in to have, um, I can't remember what, what diagnostic procedure. I think it might have just been a radiograph, an x-ray, um, or possibly a CAT scan maybe for his, uh, you know, for his knee that he was going to have surgery on possibly. And it turned out that one of my, one of my students, and it was a good thing, it was a good student, um, but a student of mine who had actually gone through like three different courses of mine was actually the radiology tech that that was there with my father and so and that's one of those things it's like you know but if they had said another name i might, I might have had a little more anxiety about that so but I, I felt perfectly fine knowing that that student actually assisted in my parents care i sometimes forget that that is a large chunk of what the the instructors that work in the professional programs the ones that we feed into in ahs so the other courses and, and those other programs in the school of healthcare. Um, they you know it's all about those clinical placements those clinical rotations and they have um, mostly throughout the state or, or regionally, they they you know they have developed these great working relationships with these facilities, with these doctors' offices, with these dental offices, um, and, and and you know and, and it's it, to a sense that it, and it's very symbiotic. You know, it really one it helps out the school and specifically helps our students, um, but it also helps out the community. Um, you know, because really you'll you'll hear that that that's that Millions uh, Tech students you know are, are well respected in many different disciplines, especially in healthcare. You know, things like nursing, um, you know, dental hygiene, dental assisting, you know, rad tech, res tech, you know, things like that. You know, we're really well respected. And I think a lot of that, obviously, that goes to the instruction and the education. But I, I think it's because of those communicate those those relationships that have been 
fostered for decades at this point. Um, and, and that certainly feeds into the community, you know, that um, and, and now more than ever, considering what we're dealing with as a society and, and as and as a state and as a city. So I, I think it's great to know that that that's that's what we're doing. We're we're we're, we're feeding people directly into our 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 community directly into that workforce and and by doing so that allows us to affect you know thousands if not millions of people um just as as an instructor I and mean, that's one way to think about it and as a, as a college and i mean and you said you know, right now um you know healthcare has a particularly um vicious and difficult challenge in the pandemic i'd love to hear you talk about um how your teaching connects to public health um, you, you know, perhaps more directly, um, you may have think of some specific uh, examples. Um, and if you'd like to, you can talk about you know specifics in South Carolina's each state as its own uh, troubles, um, and how uh, how your teaching you feel can uh, bring about positive change in public health. Yeah, I, I mean, and and this is definitely a, a daily frustration for me. I, you know, I have. It's something I need to work on. I, I tend to sometimes take um, public reaction and action um, to the pandemic a little more personally than I should, I, but I do sometimes. Um, you know, but maybe, but obviously not everybody views things the same way I do. Um, but I, I am very surprised and sometimes extremely concerned when students make um, comments to me that I'm the only instructor or one of the only instructors that, that they have that, that requires them to wipe down their services before they leave. I, you know, and, and uh, you know, I can't control what everybody does, but when somebody's in my classroom, I mean, I'm, I'm very strict about masking. I wish I could be strict about distancing, but we're past that at this point, um, you know, just in terms of, of how things are on, on campus. But, um, but I really, really try to stay on them when it comes to things like masking and being hygienic. Um, and, and, you know, I, 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 I've chosen not to you know, push the whole, you know, getting vaccinated thing uh, or the flu shot thing. But I, at the very least, I, I would hope that, um, you know, they, they, understand, they see what I'm doing, try, see what I'm trying to do. And then they take that, you know, home to them. Well, not, you know, obviously, you know, take that home. It sounds like I, I, not an infection, but, you know, the education obviously take home with them to their families, maybe to their children and, and, and truly understand. I mean, there's some, some smart ways to approach some things. Um, you, you can even take COVID-19 out of the equation. I mean, it, it's, it's flu season, you know, um, you know, and, and there seems to be some, you know, what people like to call, you know, a stomach flu, but gastroenteritis, that seems to be, that's been an issue uh, lately. There's been a number of students and instructors in my department that, that have been out for that lately. Um, so uh, regardless of how you feel about vaccinations and, or, or masking with COVID, I mean, those things still apply. You know, regardless if that if this never happened, it's still flu season, um, and there seems to be a stomach bug going around. And I try to affect change that way. I mean, isn't that isn't that the work of healthcare though, right? I mean, you constantly waver between the concrete small practices that you must do, and also these larger, as you say, these you have to have these embedded ethical positions. You know, that once they're in place, you can make your choices, and when when you don't have a good bedrock for those, it's much harder. Um, and so speaking of making things bedrock, um, you mentioned your medical terminology class before, which is really, which is quite um, a very meaty course, just incredibly dense um, and, you, and often quite intimidating for them. Um, 
uh, there are always courses in each department that are the the big ones that the students may have worries about. But I know that you um, that you you've developed some very um, folksy ways of of getting them into it and drawing them into medical terminology because it is it's many languages all together. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how you've created that world for them, folksy, and how you like get that. them folksy. into it. Um, huh? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, that's one of the things I do in the very first day of class. You know that um, you know the first thing I do is I introduce myself, and then one of the next things I do is um, I introduce them to okay, this is what medical terminology is. This this is the health. This is the language of healthcare. This is how we communicate in healthcare. And 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 I try to really harp on this. Is just you guys again. I, I said language right, and really that's the way we need to approach this. Look at this like another language. You know, so if I was up here teaching you Chinese or Greek or Spanish or Latin, you know, some other language, because I am, I'm up here teaching another language, you know, you wouldn't expect to be fluent in another week or two weeks or even even a couple months. You know, the light goes on at different times for different people. Um, so that's one thing I try to, to make sure you always remember that, you know, because don't get frustrated. That's, 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 um, and, and this isn't exclusive medical terminology, but like you said, any meaty kind of difficult course, uh, you know, um, you know, that can that can lead to some discouragement, um, and especially early on. And unfortunately, when people get discouraged, then they sometimes give up, you know, and, and that's and, and that's what I'm trying to avoid is don't give up. You know, it will if you stick with it, the light will turn on. Maybe this is another language, but you know this. You don't know you know this, but you know this. And that's where you, know, you had hinted at one of those questions you sent to me. I, so I try to show them examples of how they already use medical terminology um, in their lives at, you know, um, you know, as, as uh, you know, the one example you sent in the question was, you know, the, the combining form, the word root tussy. Tussy means to cough, you know, robotussin. They already know that. Um, you know, we just covered the digestive system um, uh, last week. You know, Pepto means digestion, Pepto-Bismol. You know, Pepsia means digestion. Um, you know, and I, and I try to explain to them, you know, Pepsi-Cola centuries ago, you know, a long, long time ago was marketed as a digestive aid. Um, you know, the, uh, the term lysis, lysis means to reduce or destroy. That's, it's no, there's no, uh, you know, there, there's no coincidence that Lysol, the brand of products is called that, um, you know, uh, Axolo, Axe body spray, Axolo means armpit. You know, those aren't coincidences, you know? Um, and so, um, you know, when you throw those things out and there's, and I can do this all day, there's, there's a number of, of examples like that. And, and, uh, you know, that can sometimes really be helpful. Okay. So I, I know this better than I thought I already did. You know, it's not as scary as I thought it was. Um, and, and another thing I, I really like to, and, and this is, I, I sometimes forget that I get, I must've either mentioned this in, in class during the online faculty learning community or discussed this in an assignment or something like that. But this was something that Mary Helen really, really liked and keeps reminding me um, to, to, to start doing again. Cause I, I kind of stopped doing it. Um, is because it's a new language. What I like to do in class, or what I used to do in class more when we seemed to have more time, was I make up words that don't even exist, but but words that it, that that describe things that do actually happen in life, um, and, um, and and I also try to encourage my students to do the same thing. Make up this word, you know. You're not technically wrong as long as you follow the rules of medical terminology when it comes to you know putting word parts together. Um, you know, so you can make, you know, have some fun with it. Put some word parts together. Make some words up that don't exist to describe some things that really do occur in our lives, and that can actually kind of be fun. So when you can break down those barriers, make them understand that I already know something that I didn't really realize I know, and now I can actually have some fun with it. That can really make it a less daunting challenge to them sometimes. I think. 
What's an example of a made-up word that you or a student has has come up with as an example? So one we did one we did the other day. So, so the, the the previous unit we covered was um, the respiratory system and the digestive system, and so a word that I really like um, that I made up is called aerocraniosis, and that at face value it means abnormal condition of air gas in the skull. And there's a couple of different ways you can go with that. You can either say that's a brain fart, you know that term we use, or it can mean you're an airhead. You know, um, um, the, uh, another one, uh, cryoencephalosis, which at which at again at face value means abnormal condition of frozen brain. You know, brain freeze, like when you dr eat or drink something really cold really quickly. Um, you know, uh, the other day um, uh, we covered uh, ptosis is is a suffix that means to spit. So pyroptosis at face value mean was would be, would be to spit fire and that's kind of a you know um, a slang term that that hip-hop artists use they, they spit fire you know that's to kind of describe their rap their their rapping abilities things like that um <laughs> it's it's stupid but uh but again you know they, they can when they kind of see or hear those things they it, it, it again it kind of breaks down those barriers and um you know that that's uh, that's that's also kind of something i did an, an assignment in that online faculty learning community was um one of the things i mentioned that i that, I, that actually i was surprised actually kind of uh um, you know, spoke to and, and, and uh, kind of um, got a chuckle out of a lot of my classmates and Mary Helen was, you know, th th another thing I mentioned to them, like I said, aerocraniosis, you're an airhead or something like that, or brain fart, you know, th we're making up words, we're, we're making up language, you know, making up um, full medical terms, you can insult your friends and family to their face, and they'll never even know, you know, so and who doesn't want to do that? You know, um, and and another thing I like to tell them about and and, and I also mentioned that same assignment in the, in the online faculty learning community was, um, and I'm always surprised, but students really get into this is um, all of a sudden you start understanding what they're saying in your favorite shows and movies, you know, um, things that you didn't believe, understand before. Now, oh, my God, I know what that means now. You know, so it's uh, that, those are the things that help that the light go on sometimes, you know, um, and, and I feel like that can be helpful. Well, you've certainly um, changed my perspective on Axe Body Spray. Uh, that's <laughs> Far more learned uh, angle than I, I would ever have uh, given them credit for. Those are the ones. It's amazing. Those are the ones, especially the, the brand names of things like Lysol, Pepto-Bismol, you know, Robitussin. It, it's like, oh, my God, okay, I've been using that term my whole life. That's medical terminology. Listen, I am a writer and literature person, and I did not know the Latin root for armpit was in plain sight in Axe Body Spray. I hope you'll visit this episode's webpage and have a look at some of the creative words Robert's students have created in medical terminology. Great Frankensteins of meaning that express some hilarious concepts. You'll see how he's getting them to apply their learning in creative ways that will help this crucial information stick for them. Perhaps as a similar exercise you do in your classes. Or could. The webpage also has some thinking about how Robert begins his unit on cancer. Maybe listening to him and reading about his method will move you to refresh your thinking about how you frame emotionally difficult topics if you teach any. Often, how we begin these kinds of units can have a big impact on their success and usefulness for students. These and other ideas and resources are on the Instructional Ecology website. In our next episode, we'll talk to one of our newer professors who joined MTC during the pandemic. It was important to us to have the perspective of lifelong teachers, people in the middle of their teaching careers, and people just beginning their profession. I hope you'll join us for this next episode further into the year, closer to the end of a semester, and further into the web of our community.